Welcome to the Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett, and this was an absolutely fantastic episode with a good mate of mine, Seth Pepper. Seth is a world-leading mental performance coach. He's working with everybody from motorsports and Formula One drivers to NBA and some of the world's greatest hockey players and, and golfers, and then also in the world of film and television and business and everything else in between. And his approach is fairly simplistic, but I think you'll find listening to him that you'll leave today going, wow, I've got some really great tools to help optimize my own life. Um, we discuss everything from goal setting and visualizing to practicing gratitude and even time and our own mortality and, and how that can be really used as a catalyst for, for living fully. I think you'll find there's so many great takeaways in this one. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. Right. Well, today we're diving into the new year with a very special guest, someone who's no stranger to the show. He was last on about 18 months ago, and it was just one of my all-time favorite episodes, as it was yours, the listener. It's one of the most downloaded episodes that I've had on The Greg Bennett Show. He's a high-performance mental coach with just unique insights into the power of the mind. And last time he was here, we explored the depths of mental training and its profound impact on performance. And today, well, we're going to try and notch it up a little bit and take it even a little bit further. So without further ado, welcome back to The Greg Bennett Show, Seth Pepper. How are you, mate? I'm doing well. I'm, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. Yeah, well, you know, you and I have had a couple of conversations, you know, since you were last on the podcast, and both of us always leave those conversations buzzing. And um, it was like, yeah, we need to we need to record again. And you've been busy. You've been really busy since uh, mm-hmm. we last spoke in this last sort of year, eighteen months. What's been yeah. sort of uh, Give us a little recap into Seth's world. What, what do you, who are you working with and what are some of your clients and how's your world changed a little bit? Well, it's been, um, yes, very exciting. Um, just working with, you know, people basically across the board, whether it's in sports or business and even the arts of just people that are in intense environments that are dealing with um, high stakes, high pressure, um, potential failure and big wins. So yeah, in, in kind of, you know, with my obsession, I just keep, it's a healthy obsession that I just keep going down the rabbit hole. And, you know, it's been fun to be able to help people to create the, you know, basically the reality that they knew, knew was possible. And then we go out and actually make it a reality, you know, mm-hmm. in physical form. So so who are some of the people that you've actually been, you've taken on this last sort of eight or months? Can you mention names? I don't know if you can mention names or you can maybe mention where, you know, the kind yeah, of yeah. they're in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's probably best to uh, just kind of mention what they're up to. Um, yeah. They, and, and I will, you know, as we talk, if a name does come up and it's a good example, I'm happy to talk about that. Um just, you know, basically, you name it, PGA, LPGA, you know, professional golf, um, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, you know, soccer, football uh, with the MLS and a lot of college, like working with individuals, um, top programs, and then, you know, the entire team working with coaches and and then an individual on that team. And mm-hmm. then, you know, as I've shared in the past, working with film directors that, 
you know, that introduced me to other film directors and working with, uh, you know, fashion designers that are showing at the highest level and even Marvel studio actress. And, you know, it's been exciting. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. These conversations, it's funny because I'll, I'll have a conversation like this with, with someone that really draws it out and, you know, someone will be listening and, and they'll, they'll reach out and they'll say, you know, I just like the way that you, you think I like mm-hmm. the, you know, mm-hmm. you, even the sound of your voice and would you consider, you know, working with me? And, you know, it's always an honor to be asked to do that. So. Well, while we're at the front of the show, let, let, let's put that in. If, if I was somebody that wanted to work with you, what, what is that kind of process like? They, they reach out to you, 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 you know, take me from there. How does the process work? Well, generally just starts with a nice, friendly conversation. You know, we're probably both seeing if it's a good fit. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, I'm just asking for someone, you know, that you, you trust in openness, you know, so mm-hmm. sometimes you're working with someone that's going through a really difficult time. I think that might be the most predictable, you know, from an outsider. Mm-hmm. But when I present to large groups, especially, you know, teams or, you know, even in business leadership groups, it's usually the alpha, alpha male, alpha female, that's that tracks me down in the hallway afterwards and says, "Wow, you you know, you speak my language. I I just I, I want to keep talking about this. I need someone, you know, that I can talk to these things." And so that's been kind of neat because mm-hmm. traditionally you might think that it's more of the mental health side of things, but it's actually the mental performance side mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. crosses over, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, you speak this this language," because it's not something that is genuinely or gen, generally shared. Mm. Really, when you're watching TV, whether you know it or not, um, you're watching highlight reels. So you're watching end results. You're not watching the process. And so someone that's deeply invested in the process, so, oh, wait, no, you're speaking my language. I need to hear this more often. And a lot of times it's, it's extremely simple, mm-hmm. but it's not easy. So you're, you're, you know, I like to say you're, I'm holding space for that simplicity. So. Mm-hmm. Wow, mate. Well, I, I, um, I'm sure after this recording, you'll be getting, you'll be getting a lot more as well. How, how is, you know, how is your approach and, and the, the way you operate evolved? Um, the, you know, since we last spoke, anything sort of surprising the, the way that you approach things that you kind of like, ah, it's an area that I hadn't looked into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's probably what I just said, you know, that it really is as simple. Mm. And and when you help people through these moments, um, you know, at first you might see it as a fear of failure, but when we get close to winning, then it becomes fear of success very Mm. often. And so that's been really interesting. And then to dive into my own personal experience, you know, of being able to, to really, uh, you know, when I was, (laughs) I'm going to take us on a little bit of a journey right away. Awesome. <laughs> when I was younger, I had a mentor say to me and that, you know, I, th- I think that you're going to be a preacher. And, and, you know, at the time I didn't go to church. I didn't really study the Bible, so I didn't know how that was going to work. Um, <laughs> you know, I was, I was interested, but I didn't understand, you know, how that destination might, might even happen. But what I realized is that, you know, what I'm working with people, you know, now is to be able to, the, the sophisticated word is transcend. So transcend the moment. Mm. So 
when you put, for me, I mean, my, my career started when I was 14. And then when I'm getting ready for the big races in the world, you know, it's boiling down to this one moment. So you have, for me, it was a decade, a little over a decade of just putting everything you possibly can into this one moment. And this one moment, this one race is really a life or death situation of this vision that you have. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me, I, I have that sense of urgency of like, okay, this is not just the person that I'm working with, but it, it feels like an extension of me. And in that moment, we have to transcend it. So it's something that flows through us. So we see it a lot in movies and uh, maybe we're not necessarily aware of being able to place it. But the simple version that I like to share, because a lot of us have seen the Star Wars trilogy, is, um, you know, when it's the gurus, whether it's Yoda or Obi-Wan, that says to Luke Skywalker, use the force. Mm. What, he, what he's really saying, you know, um, Joseph Campbell, well-known mythology expert that works with George Lucas to help him really get Star Wars to where it was. Um, what he's talking about is allow the life force, you know, to flow through you. So it's this space of transcendence. It's, it's putting everything into this moment and it's all about you. And then it, at that last moment, it's like, no, you got to let it go. You just got to surf that wave. You got to mm -hmm. allow it to just be more than you. And that's, what's been interesting is just to, and that's possibly the preacher now, of being able to help people experience this sort of selfless, egoless, if you will, maybe even spiritual and religious uh, moment in, mm. in, in their performance. And it goes to this whole other level, whole other level. And I experienced that on a, on a really profound level. And um, I wasn't ready for it, but it was still awesome. I still had the best race of my life, but, you know, I wasn't ready for it. So I try to now um make it really familiar so people know that it's coming and then when it happens they can you know really be ready and allow mm -hmm. this flow through them i love that I, I love the the state of flow i think we talked about that a little bit on the last episode we did together and it was uh you know was it chicks high the state finding mm -hmm. that state of flow and uh and i always put it down to it's like when you're on a long, long car trip you know and you, <laughs> you suddenly go oh two hours went by it's like yeah. wow you know, and you hit this yeah. state of flow, but to be able to get to that state of flow under your own control, like sometimes it's, yeah. it's one thing to talk about. It's another one to sort of switch it on and off. Yeah. Um, how, do, how do you kind of get people to be able to learn how to get to flow state? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. So I will say a name. Um, I made this presentation over at UMass Dartmouth and, um, it was alongside of um, D Brown. He's in the NBA. He was with the Celtics for 10 years mm -hmm. and he won the slam dunk contest. And um, he did this thing called the no look dunk. It's still, if you go back through the lineage of, of people who have won, it's probably one of the signature dunks of all time. So we were having dinner the night before just getting to know each other. And I said, you know, D, did you know when you left the ground that what you were going to do? And he looks at me with a sort of shock and he goes, no one's ever asked me that, you know, and this is probably one of the most significant moments for this sport. <laughs> and no one's asked him this simple question, which to me, my, my instincts, I kind of know where it's going. And he goes, you know what? I was leaving the ground 
And I knew that I was going to slam the ball, but I also was going to have my eyes closed. And I didn't think anyone would believe me that I kept my eyes closed. So I wrapped my arm around my face and I blocked my view as I slammed. And it all, it was almost like a divine inspiration that happened in mid flight. Mm. Me, that gives me the chills. Like that's, that's Mm. the flow, you know, when everything comes together out of necessity, but we have to create the necessity. And, and, you know, the interesting part, which we mentioned before is that it happens in an uncomfortable, you know, process Mm. because there's going to be some part of you that, you know, that wants to keep you safe. And so that's what I'm trying to help people to do is probably become more and more familiar with it. You know, working with a race car driver at the highest level. And, um, you know, this, this happened this week. I was taking him through. I said, you know, the, the Michael Jordan of racing um, across the board, a lot of people regard Senna as one of the greats. Well, Senna had this perfect lap. That's, you know, a perfect performance. And it was kind of cool. It happened in Monaco, 1988. For some reason, they didn't record it even better for the legend. Um, you know, it's still back then we had cameras everywhere and it was, the whole thing was televised, but for some reason his qualifying was not recorded and he had three laps. Um, and all three would count towards, you know, his, where he's going to end up. And on the first lap, he went the fastest. So he's already in pole. So, you know, he could just stop and he just kept going and going faster and faster to the point where he was close to two seconds faster. Now, this is this is a sport that's decided by hundreds of a second. And here he is two seconds faster than second place. And second place with his teammate who had the same exact car. So he's in a space that he's never experienced. None of us have maybe even seen in the racing world. And he wouldn't even talk about it for two years. Um, you know, he didn't know where to place it. He was a person of faith. And so he said it was like, eventually he, he said that it was like an out of body experience. It was like, I was traveling through this, this tunnel and, you know, I was like unconscious and it was just pure instinct. And so that's it. That's, that's the transcendence moment. And so what I want to do with people is make that a real thing, right? Like that's a real thing. And it, and once I started, like, I work with this major league baseball player, first round draft pick. And so he's a hitter. And so I'm telling him about Senna. That's what I love about this is that mm-hmm. I get to share this obsession with, you know, all these different athletes and all these different people of, you know, and, mm-hmm. and flow happens for factory workers. It happens when mothers are reading to their children. It happens in all walks of life. We're experiencing flow. And so I'm talking to this baseball player. And I said, you know, let's let's talk about possibly, you know, your perfect lap. Have you ever had a perfect lap experience? He's like, well, before I got to the major leagues, big moment in high school was, you know, that I I was I went, you know, I I think it was six for six, which means six times to the plate, six times he hits it. Mm -hmm. I said, well, what was it like? And he goes, well. I was triggered at first because there were a lot of scouts there. There was a lot of hype. The other team started talking a lot of crap. So I was triggered. I was fired up a little bit. But all of a sudden, everything got really playful. Like it was like practice. 
And mm-hmm. he, the, when I was standing at the at, at the plate, getting ready to hit the ball, it was like the ball was the size of a beach ball, right? It was like they were lobbing it to me. I said, "See, that's it. It's this place of play." And so, what I'm you know working with is you know you, the most recent is this sort of the flow meets where does this happen? So they've studied it now. So now we can really openly talk about it. We don't have to hold it inside for years. <laughs> <laughs> like Senna's going, what, what do I do with this? No one's talking about it. It's not measured. But we're actually studying it now. And so it's fun to be able to, to, to talk through it. And so when we, they found that children all the way up to the age of eight were in a constant state of flow. Now you have young children and, and I have some children that are kind of coming out of that, that stage. And so right up until eight, we're fully in our body. We're out of our head, fully in our body all the time. That's basically flow. Um, and then right about 10 is when we start to wake up. We start to make conscious choices. We start to you know, be more determined. And so that's what I try to help people to do is, okay, at this high level, high stakes, moment of impact. I want you to get in touch with your 10 year old self, right? That 10 year old work. And so I have this NHL player and he was, um, I started working with him when he was, he was struggling a bit. And, um, you know, I said, how does, how does your relationship to the sport? You know, um, he's like, I don't know. I can't explain it. You know, I, when I go out on the ice, I just feel heavy and I'm feeling tired. Right. And I, I don't, and I, and for me, I'm looking at patterns. That's always been my fascination is patterns. So I'm not making any judgments, of course. And so I said, okay, when you, you go out on the ice and you're feeling heavy, is it feel like, you know, you're carrying around, I, I call it the ape, right? You're carrying around this, you know, and, you know, I, I pounds, I don't know the, the translation to metrics, <laughs> but 250 pounds. So it's a big animal. And you're mm-hmm. carrying this ape. And he's like, what do you mean the ape? Well, the ape is the past. It's all those trophies you won as a kid. And it's, it's all those expectations. It's, it's all the, the future projections into the future. And so here he is. He's first round draft pick, made a lot of money. It seems like millions of dollars. But for someone in that position that can't figure this stuff out, it feels like millions of, you know, if you will, pounds, you know, mm-hmm. weight, like physical weight. That's why I use these metaphors is, you know, there's an ape and we want to be able to get the ape off our back. So, you know, I said, I just want to give you permission. I'm just focused on you in your performance arena. Before you step on the ice, I want you to put the ape down. You know, don't don't put it on your back because that's a choice. You choose Mm -hmm. to carry the past. You, You choose to carry the future. Put it on the side. And I said, well, what's most likely also happening is that it's not just that you're tired, but also now it probably the thing that you used to love to do feels like a chore. It feels like a job that you're being forced to do. And he's like, oh, man, I didn't even want to get on the plane to go to the game. And I was like, wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. hockey player that doesn't want to get on the plane to go go play at the highest level. I said, that's why we got to get that ape. I want you to just flush the past, let it all go. We need you to be fully present. None of that matters. The future doesn't matter. None of that. And mm-hmm. what I want you to do is I want you to play like your 10-year-old self. 
And, and, and I said, you know, when you were 10, didn't you just hit the puck just to see it go as fast as it can? You just, just nail it. He's like, Oh, absolutely. I said, didn't you used to like skate and slam your, your buddies up against the boards, you know, hit them against the walls just to see how hard you could hit them you know, just for the fun of it. Yeah, absolutely. I did that. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to play with that, you know, that 10 year old self sort of, you know, joy. And so I study these things and, you know, track it back to major league baseball. Um, the figures that I've heard is Dominican Republic it's a small country and it produces roughly around 13% of all major league baseball players. Wow. Yeah. This small country is providing all these baseball players. And so working with baseball players at the highest level and also in university, um, I'm always asking questions and looking for the pattern and they say they're a joy to play with because they their, their priority, even at the highest level. I mean, you think of anyone all the way down. So, so the, you know, the grand slam, you know, the, the people that are going to be in the hall of fame, they all play with a sense of joy. It's like mm-hmm. they're still a 10 year old out in the streets playing st- stickball, even at the highest level. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm trying to, to help people to do is just to go have fun. You know, it's easy to say, go have fun, but I really want to give him these people in understanding that this is a performance enhancer, you know, Mm -hmm. to just allow yourself, because a lot of times as we go up through the rankings, what we tend to do is, Oh, I need to be more focused. I got to be more serious. Yeah. And that's the death right there is when you get more serious. Right. It's I thank you for all of that. That's so cool. I'm nodding my head over here going, yeah, because it's uh, even from, you know, the guests I've had on my show, some of the world's greatest endurance athletes on the planet and the amount of conversations we've often had where they've had the opportunity for whatever reason, they've been injured or they've already won a big race or whatever it is, the expectations to perform are removed and they're just free to play, Mm -hmm. right? This, This opportunity to be free to play and suddenly they go do this amazing performance. And, and we talk about it on the show, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I had this, you know, because I didn't have any pressure and I didn't have any expectations because whatever, you know, fill in the blanks. But basically they go on and they just crush it because they don't have these expectations of the past or the future. They can be just present to your point. And I love it even talking about joy in what you do. It, it got me thinking with a meeting I had yesterday. So even in business, Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm sort of saying is, look, I want the world to know that we're having fun building what we're doing. Mm-hmm. If we're not having fun, it's going to be evident on the back end of what we're actually producing. You know, it's like, yes, there's work to be done and yes, we've, you know, timelines and restrictions, but we can still have fun in what we can be doing together. And that'll show in the delivery of what, you know, product we're giving to the world. I just simply love this. Would you call it removing expectations or managing expectations and just replacing that with joy and being present? Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, each person has a different way of describing it. So I try to yeah, you know, yeah. use their words. Um, you know, for, for me, um, I'll just take you right into it. Um, through my personal experience, whether it's you know, what I've achieved at being number one in the world at one moment, um, or helping others to become number one at what they do. Um, I, 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 I came up with the three M's 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was talking, you, you, I can say his name, Eddie Jones, you know, the, the, yeah. the rugby uh, coach, you know, one of the greatest of all time. And, legend. Yeah. and I was just talking to him. Um, I don't know, just you know, a few days ago. And I, I, he's like, Oh, he's always, he gets the pen out. He's like, what do you got for me? <laughs> so I was like, Eddie, it's the three M's. He's like, what do you mean? Three M's. Okay. So the first M is think about the race car, right? The, the metaphor of the race car, that's the mechanical. Okay. So everything in the performer's life, what, you know, how are you taking care of your body? Are you training? How are your skills, nutrition, um, even sleep, you know, th- those are all the mechanical elements. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's usually on the person that, that I'm working with. That's, that's their responsibility to take care of. I will touch, you know, on sleep, that's kind of a crossover. Um, and then the next M is the mental, right? So I kind of call that the mechanics of the mind, right? Mm-hmm. So we have these tools that we develop and we have ways to, you know, develop awareness, handle pressure, be able to, you know, embrace failure, all those sort of things with tools, simple tools in that mental toolbox. And I said, but the third M, this is the M that I think is overlooked. We all feel it, um, but it's actually looking at it and being able to work through, work towards it and then work through it. The third M is magic, right? And so, Ted Lasso is a movie that, or a show that's really mm. become popular in pop, pop culture right now. And his whole show, his whole principle is that sign on the back wall that says believe. Mm-hmm. Right? So to me, the transcendence, the, you know, I know you've had some people on that, that spoke of the effort switch, you know, where you just say effort and you just break all those internal rules and those external rules and you just lay it out and you go for it and you perform on a whole nother level, that perfect lap level where you just allow the force to flow through you. Um, that's the magic. And it, you could even say that it's luck, you know, becoming more lucky because you're more prepared and you're in the mm-hmm. right space. But that's magic. And that's the spot where I'm just like, okay, we, we need magic in this equation. Mm-hmm. As soon as I told him, he's like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's funny, um, you know, the way you can – not funny. It, it's interesting the way you can describe the same thing but describe it in so many different ways. And, and to your point earlier, it's – Whatever makes that person tick is how they'll understand it. It's like uh, to go back to swimming because that's, you know, your past. And obviously I did a lot of swimming as a triathlete. And it's funny, my wife would often say, you know, my straight left arm, you know, I had a real issue with it. (laughs) And my rotation and blah, 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 blah. We can break down my swim stroke another day. But basically she'd be telling me, you know, do this, do that, do that. Uh, Okay, got it, got it, got it. I didn't really listen. Then one day I'd come home from just training at a random pool and a random coach would say, oh, you know, Greg, you know, rotate like this, you know, by doing this. And he'd explain it in a completely different way. Yeah. But it was a way that I understood. And I'd come home to Laura and go, oh, I've learned a new way and this is how I can, you know, be doing this, this. And she's like, Greg, I've been telling you that for, for years. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, that doesn't end well. But it's, yeah. it's, it's, I love the human mind in, in the way – we can describe things and how it resonates with us. Um, it, it's absolutely beautiful. I want to I want to shift gear a little okay. bit. Um, I want to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is is that of visualizing. Okay. Um, 
and I want to get, you know, get your thoughts on it. And so I guess the first question in your experience, you know, what's sort of the most common obstacle that you find people face when they try to visualize their goals? And I guess, you know, do you have some tools that they could use to overcome it? Because I think, I don't think we need to sit here and tell people about the power of visualizing. I think most people understand that, look, if I can really see it, I get it. The power of the mind is wonderful. But what are some of the the tools that we can give to, for people that might struggle in visualizing? Okay. Well, I, I would take it, let's go to the foundation. This is the foundation that I build with someone. Um, so I start with goals. You know, I've always liked goals. I think that goals are a communication loop between your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. So your subconscious mind, how can we drive our car and not think about it? Right. We just say, okay, I'm going to go to the store and maybe even have a phone call on the way. You don't even think about something that's completely dangerous and chaotic and you just do it. Right. That's Mm -hmm. the power of the subconscious mind. And so what if you could put that to work so that it's always working in your favor and kind of building a bridge to this future, this vision. And so I like to write it down on a piece of paper. You can do it digitally, of course, too. But basically setting simple targets that puts that subconscious mind, the supercomputer, in motion because it really just wants an A to B. It may take a while, but it wants where, you know, put the GPS coordinates in, please. Yeah. So if someone says I want to be fulfilled in life, where's the GPS coordinates on that? You know, give give me some metric in that 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 quantifies that. And so once we get that down on the page, taking something from, you know, the mind or the etheric energy, if, if you will, the high frequency, and you're bringing it into the physical world, right? You're bringing it into this, uh, you know, space where now we can turn this thought into a physical result. So we got that in place. Subconscious mind is really visually based. So I encourage people to do the vision boards, right? I have the version that I shared on our first um, episode where I put up a picture of the Olympian Pablo in my picture and I put it so they were touching. And so it worked as this vision, I call them visual cues, um, which is like a post-it note. A post-it note is, is a visual cue. It's usually it's a bright colored piece of paper that you can stick within eyesight to remind you, Oh, I need to do that. Or I need to think that. Mm-hmm. And so to me, you need to take these goals and now start to see them, you know, what, what might they look like? Mm-hmm. We don't know. Exa- a lot of times what happens is people sabotage themselves because they think they need to know the future. We're doing a guesstimate here. It's always a guesstimate. It hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. So anything is way more than nothing. So it's <laughs> kind of fun. <laughs> Again, it's the, you know that's the interesting part about all this is I'm trying to give people permission to go back and be a kid again. Yeah, yeah. When you were a little kid, what'd you do? You hung your idols up on the wall, yeah, right? Yeah. You were creating your future reality. How are your vision boards? Those posters were your vision boards as a kid. I love that. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so just do it as an adult, you know, yeah. and, and have fun with it. It's important to enjoy. Again, this will be the theme throughout. Enjoy. Oh, great. I love it. I love it. And what a great way to be starting 2024. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. 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 Give yourself some time. A lot of times, you know, we have at least a, you know, a day, Christmas or New Year's or whatever it might be. Hopefully you have a little bit of downtime and just take that time for yourself to write out, okay. Um, what do I want to happen in the next 12 months, right? Mm-hmm. 
And I encourage people to get out of their comfort zone because again, you know, in order to get into flow, you have to be uncomfortable, you know? So you need, I like to have little simple uh, phrases. So you need tension to get your attention. So you have to be reaching for something, you know, so that you take it serious. This is not a to-do list where you, oh yeah, I want to do this. I want, you know, and you know, you're going to do it now, push yourself, create mm-hmm. some, something that's going to, you know, need a, or a want more like it. You, you want it to happen. Mm-hmm. And so you're reaching for something, start to make it visual, surround yourself. So I have these top athletes, you know, and I collect all these things. And, you know, I have archives of video clips that I show people because it's better that you hear this from Gretzky, Kobe, Jordan, you know, rather than just me saying it. (laughs) But I have all these examples, even, you know, pictures. And, you know, the World Cup was um, not too long ago. And Neymar, you know, the, the, you know, the soccer football star Mm -hmm. from, um, from Barcelona, um, you know, one of the people I work with you know, sh- sent me a picture and on his lock screen on his phone, he had a picture of the trophy. And so he's doing the same thing at the highest level on world stage. He, his lock screen is telling his subconscious mind, I want this trophy. Right. Mm-hmm. And it sounds so simple, but I'm, I'm you know, I have these amazing stories that even blow me away. Um, you know, where I, I have a, a university um, chemistry professor who, you know, I started with her and I said, what's the goal that you have? What's that gold moment? And she said, I want to win the Emmy. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. A chemistry professor winning an Emmy. Mm-hmm. How do you see that? You know, how does, and, and I just want to know kind of the points. I'm not saying, you know, justify it. I'm just mm-hmm. telling you how this, you see this playing out. And she says, well, I know how to teach small little children uh, chemistry on a college level, university level, and I want to change the face of education. And so I see that eventually that that being a comic book that turns into a um, animation and in the animation, you know, win an Emmy. Uh, <laughs> a to B. It sounds yeah. wild, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. You want stories. I got stories for you, Greg. Yeah. Keep the stories coming. I love the stories. Yeah, yeah. So she writes it down on her goal sheet. And then she puts up visual cues. You know, for her, it's a whiteboard. She writes it out and has some pictures of the, you know, she put, she did put the Emmy on her lock screen on her phone. So she's seeing that every day. So we work on networking. So your thoughts become your words, become your actions. So we're getting our thoughts clear. Now we're going to start to speak and communicate to the world around us naturally because we're thinking it more often. It's more focused. Mm-hmm. Now what we're going to do is we're going to start to talk to people. And so we started using you know social platforms to reach out. And we use the same approach. And it's a true story. Um, she created such a presence online that the governing body that decides the Emmys contacted her and asked if she would be a judge. True story. So she's been judging for two years now. She's been judging the award that she wants to ultimately win. And this is just a beautiful sort of manifestation of, of how things evolve over time, because now she's seen these behind the scenes um, entries. And she's like, I just reviewed a hundred of them in, Seth, mine's as good or better than all of these. And so now she's realizing it. Now she's making it into a real thing. Mm -hmm. So 
uh, not too long ago. This is a few weeks ago. Um, they had done a PBS, you know, we have public broadcasting system in the United States. So they had done this PBS special that was based on this, her story, what she's doing, the journey. And she wow. texts me and she won the Emmy. That show won the Emmy. And what's so interesting about this, if you really look at the pattern, is that the goal was to win the Emmy. And she goes, you know what this is? is it's, it's just confirmation of the clarity that you have to have on your uh, goal sheet because I said I wanted to win an Emmy. Well, the, this is the only way that I would actually have my name on the Emmy is to have a show about me because when my show does win the Emmy, it will be the production house that is, is financing it. Isn't it amazing? It's it's like that whole thing, you know, God has a sense of humor, right? right. So be careful what you, you know, be specific about what you wish for. It's amazing. Yeah. I often do that to myself, you know, and we can go into this in a moment, practicing gratitude in the morning. And I, I always, you know, visualize and things. And, and it's one of those, you know, as I try to, you know, my thoughts, choices, actions, exactly like you said, yeah. it's like, okay, be very clear about yeah. what you're saying. You know, be very clear, get as, as nuclear as you can to understand what are you really wanting? And not to say it's like her story is beautiful because it's, it's, it's actually not a bad thing. It's like, it actually just gets you moving quite often. It's like, don't just think about things and then go, Oh, wouldn't that be nice? It's like, no, practice this visualizing, create these vision boards, create the lock screen on your phone, start actually doing small little actions that add up yep. and you never know where it's going to take you because now you're moving. Yeah. In that first lane, you know, we're yeah. going to have to get over a few lanes to yeah, yeah. Or the yeah. turn lane or wherever, our, you know, next yeah. stop, stop is. And mm. so once you're in motion, just a little bit, all of a sudden all those obstacles start to dissolve Yeah, because now you're going more and more the speed of others and so you mm. naturally, the, the other lanes start to open up because mm. you're in motion. So a lot, I mean, I always say this all the time to everyone, you know, the, the momentum is key. Everything's momentum based. 100%. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Love that. I actually did a post on LinkedIn about a month ago and it was titled, keep moving. You yep. know, just, just keep moving. It's like a Dora. Is it Dora the swim, the fish? So anyway, so. just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. I can't remember the movie now. It's uh, the kids' yeah. movie. Um, yeah. Finding Finding Nemo. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just keep swimming. Just keep moving. And, and it, it is amazing. What about for people that maybe sort of stuck in the terms of finding a goal that kind mm -hmm. of maybe excites them? Maybe you know. And it's I always talk about having you know having a passion and aligning it with a strength and and. Yeah. Um, but, but for people that maybe are a bit stuck, is there any kind of tools that they can use to help them find a goal or is it, you know, just throw a few out there and see what happens? What's, what's your take on that? It's a combination. Um, again, it's going to be an individual, um, you know, situation, of course, but um, I always celebrate just getting it on the page. You know, even mm -hmm. if you don't have a metric, and you do want to experience a fulfilling life, that's better than nothing. Put it down. Yeah, and right. Just right. revisit it. So I call it gardening the goals, which is every week, you know, or every other week, whatever, you know, I'm working with people on, you know, a regular interval and people can do this themselves as, you know, every Sunday I'm going to check in on my goals or whatever it might be. 
you know, mm-hmm. part of your routine, you revisit it. And, you know, just like gardening, some days you're just tilling the earth and everything looks okay. And I'm just touching it and making sure everything's good, watering it. And then other days it might be, oh, you know what? This has become a weed. I'm going to pull this out and put something else in its place. Right. So I think people will almost self-sabotage in a way going, oh, I need to know with perfect clarity exactly what I want in life. And, you know, I I work with business people that are in sales, entry level sales, and they'll say, well, I don't know what my purpose is And it, you know? And so I said, well, let's just get in motion. And over time, you know, the purpose might, you know, all of a sudden become clear. And so uh, to your point, we get busy and get working and, so once they their sales picked up and then they become the number one sales, this is a true story as well off of an F1 um, Formula One podcast. They had heard me and, you know, he, he was the same limitation at the beginning. I don't know what my goal is. And so did that just get busy, get, you know, get moving. And he became a manager because he had done so well individually from the work we were doing. And once he became a manager, then the purpose became more and more evident where mm-hmm. he's, he's mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm, I'm affecting other people's lives and they have families and I'm able to help them provide for their families. Oh, I get it now, but we're in motion by then. Right. Yeah. No, that's well put. No, it's so true. Cause you kind of, you know, I know as a, as a, one of my favorite topics is also talking about, you know, athletes, professional athletes that sort of transitioning to let's call it civilian life, but mm-hmm. life without sport and without such a tremendous amount of purpose, you know, it's whatever field you were, it's, it's, and sort of stoking that fire to try and refine another purpose. Mm -hmm. And it can be quite difficult when these athletes have lived a life of passion and purpose. Like they found their passion young, they got to live it. And for many of them became quite successful financially as well. Um, not triathletes so much, but other sports. (laughs) And, um, and I almost say some of the finance, it almost hurts them mm-hmm. to then keep moving. Whereas, you know, triathletes, we retire, we might have a little bit of money in the bank, but basically it's, you know, you got to keep moving here. Like you're forced to keep moving a little bit. And I almost think some of these professional athletes that when they re- retire, they've got tens, potentially hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. re-finding purpose to keep moving. It's an interesting area that um, you and I can talk more about, actually. I might have you talk because it's uh, one of my – my pet areas that I'm diving more and more into is this ability to transition. Um, and, but I think you nailed it. It really is about, look, just write down some basic things that you might be interested in having and start just moving towards them. Very, very small little increments. And you never know how that snowball might, you know, take off. Um, but it's very cool, mate. I, let's shift again. I I want to, um, I, I mentioned it a little bit before about this, the practicing of gratitude. Um, and, and for me personally, people have heard me talk about on the show, so I won't go into my whole gratitude practice every day, but Mm. it it allowed me to gain an enormous amount of perspective on my life. Mm. Um, and I've practiced gratitude to the point now that there's days where I just say things and, and I don't feel it. And there's days that you almost feel it between the brain and the gut. Mm-hmm. Like you feel this deep gratitude and all the weight of the world lifts off you. Mm-hmm. You know, are you working with your clients 
on these kind of tools, these kind of habits, or do you allow them to sort of dictate? How, how have you found some simple gratitude practices and what are some pra- mm-hmm. gratitude practices that you like for your clients to, yeah. to explore? Well, I'll, I'll go back and answer the first question and it'll lead into the next one. So we'll do two for yeah. one here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I'm extremely practical, right? I'm a tough sell. Um, you know, even the word visualization, I saw that as like, oh yeah, studies and, you know, but what is that? And so for me, it's simple tools. And so what I did to, cause you know, it's day to day, you're, you're making some sort of agreement with yourself of a daily practice. So visualization is really important to do on a daily basis. I would say that's something I wish I would have been more um, in, in tune with, you know, when I started studying Michael Phelps and what he did with Bob Bauman, his coach, it was creating a routine of visualization so that it's five minutes every day versus, oh, I'm going to do this massive yes. Yes. half an hour, hour, maybe on the weekends. And then that can just keeps getting kicked down the street, right? We never really get to that. We have moments, right? Yeah. Um, maybe New Year's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, New Year's. Yeah, people listen to this episode. Yeah, I can, I can do it once. <laughs> exactly. So we want something that's going to be part of your daily routine where you don't even need to make a choice. So it's, it's Mm. like brushing your teeth. So you, you take a a habit and, you know, we're starting to talk more and more about this, but creating a chain of habits that are connected. So brushing your teeth might be part of, you know, your routine. And then you just put visualization and maybe a five minute quiet time, you know, visualization in there as well. And so that you never have to make a choice. It's just, this is what I do every morning. Yeah. And that really builds up. You again, getting started moving that builds up over time. So the reason why I introduced that is because for me, visualization was really simple. I want to go to the future. I want to go to this intense situation. Everything's going to be on the line, you know, that, that Olympic moment. And I want to be able to visit it. And then each time I visit it, I think I'll become more familiar with it. And then I'll become calmer. I'll have a greater level of poise when I actually get there. So I called it going into this sort of, you know, basically a movie theater. And I would sit there and I'd run through the scenario of what it's going to be like. And then I would also feel the feelings, which is really important. Don't just achieve something, but actually feel like, how does this affect your life? That will bring in a lot of the power of the subconscious mind. That's kind of the glue that holds it all together. And so when I actually did win, people ask, well, what's it like to, to, to win at that level? It's simple. It goes back to this visualization, or I called it time travel, you know, that movie theater in my mind is, oh, well, that day I got to invite everyone that I knew into the movie theater with me. And it just became real for everybody else. But I'd been living there the whole time. So that's visualization to me or time travel, whatever you want to call it. So going to gratitude, same thing. Very, very simple tools because I just want to give someone the principle of something. And then they, at the end of the day, this is a very subtle art. It's very, it's probably one of the most powerful things you can do as a human being, but it's extremely subtle. So I need people to buy in. I need them to come up with their own solutions. Mm. I'll give you examples. I love to give you examples. That's what I do is collect all these different versions of it. But at the end of the day, I want it to be your version. And so with gratitude, gratitude, 
I'm, I'm reasoning with myself, reasoning with hopefully the greatest cynic, um, is that you can only think one thought at one time. Now, you know, people talk about multitasking, that's something different, but you know, they've proven that you can only have one thought at one time. So immediately I think, okay, well, you have a choice from moment to moment to either go nervous, go worry, all those sort of, you know, really almost destructive uh, spaces to be, or you can move towards gratitude and gratitude is the most powerful, positive, you know, mindset, emotion that we can experience as human beings. And it has so many great benefits to it. So I start with a simple one-to-one, right? You get one thought, you choose. Mm -hmm. And if you can start to really feel the effects of gratitude and get to the point where you're a, a practitioner or, you know, an expert of it, like I make the point that I know that it's so effective in my own life. I can literally look into the sky and go, wow, I'm so grateful the sky is blue. Yep. And if it's gray, I can do the same thing. Look at yep. that gray. It is so beautiful, that gray. I'm so grateful that it's that gray. I'm laughing because this is exactly how I operate. I'm like taking a deep breath going, I go, this fresh air is, I've, I've spent enough time in Beijing to know that that's not, you know, something you take for granted. It's like this fresh yeah. air is just so, so great. You know, starting, yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. So keeping yeah. it simple and, and finding a way. So with an athlete, let's say that's a good example is, well, you know, if, if it's a golfer, have you ever thought about the miracles of like all the, all the evolution, you know, of, of the manufacturing of a golf club or a golf ball, or if it's a tennis player, uh -huh. you know, the equipment, because when I get in a car, I'm, you know, I'm in a state of gratitude. I'll just go, just think of all of these things. Remember back in the day when we were in covered wagons and we'd have to get out the horse and we'd have to, you know, who, who knows if there's even a, a road to get to where we need to go. And look at this, it, you know, almost a, nowadays it's like a push of a button and we can be going, you know, the speed of light almost. And it's something that's easy to take for granted. And as I'm feeling that state of gratitude, I don't even notice that I'm in traffic. I'm just... Mm -hmm you know, mm -hmm. fully present with being grateful and pushing out all those frustrations, uh, you know. Uh, it's really cool that, isn't it? I, 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 I use it myself to get to neutral as yeah. quick as I can, right? It's like this uh, even, I don't know, have you ever, we, we have an expression at home called 2 a.m. brain. Sometimes you wake up and all the stresses of the world suddenly hit you. You're like, what, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. And I'm like, go practice. I, I now do gratitude right away. Okay. Yeah, okay. Start. And uh, gratitude for me is it starts big and, and gets more intense. So to your point, I'm grateful for the clean air, running, fresh running water, this house, the family within the house, yeah. and then go through each individual and, and sort of break it down, my own health, my strength, my whatever, you know, like different yeah. things and just keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's amazing how that can just reframe you and put you back into parasympathetic where sometimes when you wake up and for whatever reason, your nervous system turns on and you're like, what's going on? It's a handy little go-to tool yeah. to always have in your back pocket to get you back to neutral, as I put it. Like I'm just, I just want to get to neutral. I'm not trying to be overly positive or overly happy. That's not the point. I just want to get out of this sympathetic state and, and get to neutral. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, in the mornings when I practice that time of gratitude, and visualizing, you know, standing outside, usually barefoot on the grass, you know, that's my, my little, my little ritual, but I always walk back to the house going, all right, yeah. today could be your last. How do you want to live it? Yep. And it sounds 
for some people that may sound morbid. For me, it's the most inspiring words I can say to myself. When I open that door to go back in and the four-year-old and the six-year-old are running around crazy, hey, if this was your last day, what would you be your response to that? You go in and you love the sound of kids screaming and laughing. You <laughs> you love the chaos, right? It's like if this is your last day, how do you want to live it? And it changes that perspective. Um, and this is kind of one I'm, I'm shifting, I'm transitioning us into it, another area that I'm yeah. I'm terribly fond of. I've I've had so many conversations with a lot of guys sort of in their mid to late thirties for some reason. I'm not saying that it's just all people, but all saying they all want to live to 150. Yep. And, uh, and I'm always thinking, I say, why? Hmm. So you, you, Greg, no, I'm talking about living to 150 and being really healthy. I'm like, yeah, but why, what are you, what are you not doing that you need an extra tack on 60, 70, 80 years for? I said, one of the greatest things that I think of is I know I'm going to die. Yeah. And I don't know when. That could be tomorrow. It could be 30 years from now. But I know it's happening. That's the one thing for certain. But I love that fact because guess what? Hmm. That is the driver between really wanting me to live. Yeah. You know, we've all had loved ones, you know, pass away too soon or our family or parents and and I always take from those funerals and those moments just going, right, let's live because mm. your time's coming up too. And so talking about this topic of time mm-hmm. and our mortality, <laughs> how, how do you sort of guide people in their awareness of, you know, their mortality as a, as a positive force rather than a sort of a, a source of anxiety, I guess? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. So someone that I work with, um, you know, he, he, he trusted me to work with his son, who's one of the players that I was able to help get to the NHL camps. And then he was the MVP in the NHL camp and he calls me super Sherpa. So I guess there's a Sherpa that's helped more people, almost twice as many people to the top of their Mount Everest. Ah, Yeah. yeah. So, (laughs) so it's a shared experience. I feel that mortality. I live in the same space as you're talking about. Mm. Um, It's a sense of urgency and that's what inspires me is that Mm. someone's vision, their goals has a life to it. And so I feel like in order for you to actually get into the flow state to begin with, there has to be a sense of urgency. So the people that surf the big waves, they have a sense of urgency that they could die on this wave. So what I try to do is translate that into all of the different people I work with, their lives to say, you know, caring is necessary. You have to care. (laughs) And now all this sense of, you know, it's so simple, right? Mm -hmm. But people will almost convince themselves, well, I'll, I'll shoot lower or, you know, try and distract themselves from caring. It's like, no, you actually have to care. That's just, you don't get out of this life, you know, without, if you want to experience your bliss, as Joseph Campbell talked about, you know, Mm -hmm. um, follow your bliss. What do you, you know, I've been told that what he was actually saying is follow your blister, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Yes. because that's where the joy is, right? I love that. And the growth. Yeah. 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 So, so I feel like to really do this work, to be on the razor's edge, you have to feel your mortality. You have to feel like whether it's the physical mortality or it's the mortality of your, your dreams, your goals. Mm. And, and so that's where I come from. You know, I, my parents, uh, they taught in a native American, um, school. And so I grew up going to powwows and, you know, all these different interesting, 
um, other ways of life. And in the Native American culture, their warriors had this great phrase that I love, which is today's a good day to die, right? Which, you know, is make today a good day to die. This is it. This is it. This is all you got. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I, th- I think that's kind of where I, I coach people from is this space that, you know, it, it, we don't have forever. And it is this moment. And that's that's what we love about this is that we do care and it's all on the line and it is a make or break. Right. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. You either make it or you don't. But the journey is the thing that's actually going to give you the reward. Because if I just came and gave you the trophy and I gave you the millions of dollars and I gave you the exposure, within a couple of months, you might become angry and resentful. Yeah. Because where did it, I I don't know where this came from, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't have the journey. And in that journey, you're going to experience your mortality on a moment to moment basis if you're really on the razor's edge. Which, you know, to me, to circle back to the visualization is accepting the future reality now so that you realize even when I do win the gold medal or whatever it might be, I have a whole nother set of, you know, of of demands on my time. And, you know, it's not like everything gets solved by that experience. And so what's going to happen in the future when, you know, sponsors and they have demands and then you have people that know who you are and they have their demands and your time is limited, you know, all these different things. So allow that to be part of your, you know, future projections. Mm. And then, you know, to, to give you a technique that I was thinking about when you were talking about with gratitude, I remember Mary T. Maher, she's an Olympic gold medalist. She was the one that inspired me, you know, when I started swimming, Madam Butterfly. She had this great visualization um, technique that I, I used, which is before you go out to battle, so to speak, and you're visualizing, go through each muscle group and express your gratitude towards it. And it's so simple, but, you know, your feet, your toes, depending on how many, how many parts you want to go through, but really give thanks and gratitude to each part because they're about to go there, out there and do battle with you, right? And that mind and body connection is so important. Um, when I'm working with someone and they have an injury, I'll always try and backtrack to that moment in time. And um, right now I'm at 100%, but I could be proven wrong. I will ask them at that moment in time that that injury happened, did you trust that your best effort was good enough or was it all about just being the best? And so far, hundred percent, they'll admit, no, I, I didn't trust that my best effort was enough. I, I overextended myself. I was trying mm-hmm. to do the superhuman, you know, thing that was outside of my ability. I said, yeah, you broke that trust between your mind and your body. And so mm-hmm. we have to bring that back together. Right. So that I you can have that. that trust. So I heard it once explained, like, ask the body, don't tell it. And start having a conversation with your body to, to, to be specific on what you're saying. Um, but I also, you know, one of the things I get, I'm hearing from you, and, and it's kind of the way, the way I, I feel like we, we, we are trading our time constantly you know we want to i want to almost write a book on time trading we have all these financial trading books and all these other but what are we trading and it's living an intentional life i think Mm -hmm. is what we're saying is if you i don't mind if you want to be lazy and just watch some tv for a while but be intentional know that you're doing that for a reason and you're decompressing or whatever it is but be as intentional with the time you have left and I was telling somebody the other day, I said, yeah, I, I'm 52. 
Mm -hmm. right? I now, I like to look at five-year blocks. It used to be four years because that was Olympic cycles, but it's five-year blocks. I've got six five-year blocks left if I'm lucky, right? Mm -hmm. And look, maybe there'll be a couple more after that, but six of those five-year blocks. I have three of those are assigned because my kids are going to be with me for for three of them, right? Mm -hmm. Then I have two where I'm going to be well and truly into my 70s and be, no matter what I try and do, my health is going to be declining because I'm actually quite a healthy 52-year-old. Like I, I could probably slow it down a little bit, but I'm really, my, my golden days of optimal performance in physical performance are, are behind me. But it's all about slowing down that, that health line. And so now I just look at life in these five-year blocks. Okay, we're going to live here. For, five, for the next five years, South Florida, these are the things that I want to experience with my kids, boom, boom, boom. This is what I want to do in business, boom, boom, boom. This is what I want to do in health and relationships, boom, boom, boom. And they're in five-year blocks. And the reason I'm doing it like this way is because like an athlete mentality where you, you're striving towards goals, you know, coming from an athlete, it's, it's always easier, I feel like, with sport. <laughs> but to put it into all these other categories in these five-year blocks that I can live with intent, Mm-hmm. You know, and I have, and again, to your point earlier, you can have these visualizations that they could change and they can adapt and they move and they sway, but I can see clearly what I want to achieve in every five-year block. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a fun way to take a little bit more ownership and control of your life. And again, I'm not saying that I'm not open to dramatic changes and interesting things that I hadn't expected, but I enjoy seeing my life in these five-year blocks like that. Mm. It's a different way of doing it, but I don't know if it'll work, but it's taking that ownership and living life with intent a little bit more. Well, well, I know my experience once I transitioned out of my sport, I was shocked at how few people actually set goals. Mm. And so now that I work with, you know, I'll get on the, as I was saying earlier, I'll, I'll get on a podcast and just start sharing. And then people from all walks of life will kind of, you relate to, you know, the, the metaphor at the very least of sports because it's measurable and it has, you know, this black and whiteness to it. So you can see that the, it will, if it worked in performance here, it could possibly work in something that's a little more gray area. And, you know, as we kind of work through things, um, I'm always, you know, really feeling like they get such an advantage from, you know, doing what you were just describing where you just start to become conscious of your time. You Mm -hmm. start to become goal oriented in a sense of, you know, and to go back to the, I like to circle back obviously to the goals is that I ask this simple question. If you couldn't lose, what does that look like? I explore Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And, And when people start to dig into that, then all of a sudden, you know, they get longer vision and then they also start to develop, purpose. And so purpose is a big word, you know, it's not necessarily starting a hospital and, you know, a poverty area. It is just opening the door for another purpose or person that's, Mm -hmm. that's purpose. So, you know, how can we turn our goals from individual into purpose as well? How are you going to help others? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. once you start to break it down into these measurables, it's really exciting for people because all of a sudden, I think they, they start to see a roadmap and they start yeah. to get excited about it and they get excited about the journey. That's mm-hmm. what I really want people to do is yes. I want them to embrace failure. I want you to just, cause that's the thing. Let's go back to the very beginning of this. What is it that, that the magic of a 10 year old 
they don't care if they're losing. They don't identify with losing at all. They just keep moving forward. Yeah. And when you're moving forward on constant reset, then you can live fully present. And your instincts are purely like just heightened to their to their unlimited. You know, and my mm-hmm. phrase is unlimit your potential. You want to unlimit your potential, go back to that 10-year-old self and allow yourself to keep moving forward and enjoying what you're doing. And then set these benchmarks knowing, okay, well, I'm going to have failure, but I'm going to learn something from this. So this is actually going to be the gift. And then, you know, and that's what I like to point out with people that I do help, uh, you know, win or get the award or whatever it is. I'll always point out that, well, what do you feel after you've won this? And it's always, well, I want to win again. And so I'm trying to make that point with them over and over is, is that winning isn't really that fulfilling. It's a wonderful timestamp. That's it. It's a timestamp. In yep. this block, as you called it, I achieved this. And then you, you start with another block and you go into the next. But it's what happens in the middle of that block, that journey. Mm. That's the fulfilling part. Mm. It really is about just embracing the process and, and not being so focused on, yes, you need the goal to, mm-hmm. to, to create the, to, ha- to have the road, you know, and then, uh, and then where that road takes you, how you get there. It's, it, it really is, you don't, you don't know. Mm-hmm. It's going to be ups and downs and ebbs and flows. Never compare yourself to other people's lives. They're never quite what they seem. <laughs> get off social media and compare. Huh? Get rid of that FOMO. Uh, get yourself to neutral as quick as you can. Um, adapt as fast as you can. I think mm-hmm. some of the... One of the, I had Mark Weber on the show once, Formula One driver for Red Bull, and the whole episode we talked about his ability to adapt faster than anybody else. And I've mm-hmm. taken that with me through everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody's saying no to a request or, a, mm-hmm. okay, move on, adapt. What's next? What's next? And I kind of feel like whoever adapts fastest <laughs> yeah. wins is not the right approach, but you get my point. It's like adapting quick is great. Um, even in moments where of despair, adapt, move, what can you do? Keep moving. Yeah. Um, hey, this has been awesome. I want to finish with final four. You up for it? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, we've got plenty more we could discuss, but I'm very conscious of your time and, uh, and I want to use you again in every sort of six months. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. So, so final four questions that I ask all my guests and I'm excited for your responses here, but what would you tell your 18 year old self? Well, it's, it's on the subject we've been speaking about. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be so serious. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's if, if from the, our whole conversation today is the thing that's resonated with me the most. And I have it written down here is, you know, enjoy, yeah, enjoy life, enjoy the experiences, have some fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, your 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 sense of humor is your superpower. Is what I try to get across to people. Yeah, because in order to laugh at something, you have to be fully present. Let's say a joke. A joke is a structured little tiny story. So you have to be listening, and then you have to be fully present to be surprised by the left or right sharp turn of the punchline. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I love about humor is that, it, and then usually it's a perspective shift. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Humor is a, is a superpower on many, many levels. And so, yeah, I would tell myself to, to joke around a lot more. And, you know, my brother's the opposite to me. So he's the goofy one in the family. And, 
So, of course, you know, full circle, I should have been more like my... <laughs> I'm always comparing myself to my brother like that. I should, I should be a bit more like him. It's nice to have brothers that we can compare ourselves to and go, okay, I want to be a better man like him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so people you'd want to have dinner with, um, non-family ideally, and they could be living or dead. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've become fascinated with Senna. I think that would be an interesting one. I mean, that's that's fairly recent, but you know, just to be able to, he, he inspired so many people. You know, much like Kobe. You know, mm-hmm. to be able, I didn't get a chance to meet Kobe. Um, I was getting closer and closer, and then he was gone. And so, those are people that are process oriented. That I really feel like they they lived in this um, this space this, um, you know, rarefied air and Mm -hmm. to be able to have those conversations, I think would be really important. Um, and then a third person, um, let's see. I think those are pretty good for me. Um, I just turn up and sit there and I'll be quiet and just listen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's all about, you know, this sort of obsession that we all share. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, like Kobe would say, just get better, right? That's yeah. in- incremental improvements. So just kind of being in the space of these these greats to be able to go through and, you know, just, just be able to pick their brain and listen. I think mm-hmm. Bill Russell is an interesting person. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a person that in his autobiography, he experienced the perfect lap and he described it as a religious experience where... Um, you know, he'd say that the boss, I mean, he won, you think Michael Jordan's great was six or, you know, Bill Russell, I think won 10, you know, in, in matter of, I think it was 12 years. So mm-hmm. he's dominant on the Celtics and he's self-made, you know, it wasn't necessarily this phenom. He, he was only recruited by one, co- one university. And so, you know, these self-made people, those are the yeah. ones that really interest me because they understand that you have to be a student of life, you know, to really achieve something. And so he had this experience where he'd say that Boston Celtics, some of these games would really heat up, as he called it. And he said he had this one experience where he could act, he, he, it was an out-of-body experience again, where it wasn't about his team or the opposing team. He felt like they, they he was familiar with everyone. And it, it went beyond competition. And so he knew where the ball was going to go next. But he knew that if he was to take advantage of that information or that experience, that all the plates would drop simultaneously. So I would love to have conversations with those three and have us all sit there and geek out about um, this transcendence moment. <laughs> oh, I, I think it's really cool. I love when we all have those kind of stories where we can go, I, it was like I was steering my body. Yep. Yeah. It, you know, I don't have too many of them, but I have some of them where I, I can remember certain performances where you're like, yeah, this is one where I was in that flow state and it was just, I could do whatever I want. I could do whatever I want. It's like, wow. Yeah. All right. Where, where, do you, where do you see yourself in five years? Five years. Well, a lot of people are saying I need to write a book. So I would like to think that I have at least one book that's been written. I started to speak a lot more. I enjoy Mm -hmm. getting up in front of large groups and, you know, I've, you know, and again, I look at patterns and, and for me, my pattern, um, in, in some of the other, you know, people that are kind of like my peers in my space, um, are sort of, um, 
chance encounter, again, what Joseph Campbell would call, you know, synchronicity. Mm-hmm. We work with a child and that child happens to be connected to the superstar of that sport, right? Yeah. So one of my closest friends, Graham, started with Aaron Gordon when he was the age, uh, he was age 11. Well, Aaron Gordon just won the world championship with the Nuggets. And they've been on this journey of working on their mind since the age of 11. And Mm -hmm. so for me, I started with someone in golf. And it turned out that, you know, his coach after a couple of years and seeing the differences in him, I started when I think it was 10 and his mom had contacted me and said, well, you work with someone that's young and no one else will. And I'm like, well, if he shows up, I'll show up. You know, if he cares about this, I care about this. And it's been a wonderful experience. And so he's kind of that version for me. And, you know, now he's in the top program in the world. You know, you talk about the best that, you know, on the planet in the space of golf. That's where in that his coach is connected to that. And I didn't see that coming. So the whole reason I say that is I think it comes back to the next generation. It comes back to the kids. Mm. Yeah. So I find a lot of times people will contact me and they'll invest in their kids <laughs> first. That's, I think it's great. I think it's great. It's like, a, yeah, don't put an age limit on the ability to go back and, and uh, help kids, help people with mental performance and what they can do to to optimize their lives and their time they have left. I, I know I'm working with my, my kids come out in the mornings and they, they're for, if they come out with me early in the morning, if they're awake, well, if you're coming out, you have to say three things you're grateful for. Yep. Right. They're getting in used to it. Like it's like a, it's a mindset shift that that's what we do in this family. We, we practice gratitude. We, we visualize what we want in life or, you know, our goals. And, and then, you know, before bed, the questions are always, what did you do for somebody else today? Yep. And so they're three and five or maybe four and six soon, <laughs> but they're, they're already ready when we lie down in bed to have an answer that, oh, I kept the door open for so-and-so today, or I did, you know, so-and-so was playing on their own and I asked them to play with me. They know that question's coming. So Mm -hmm. the more you can, I think these things are great tools and great habits for kids to just harness and have a part of their life. That's awesome. I love that, mate. Yeah. Yeah. If they can change their relationship to failure. Yes. If they can change their relationship to pressure, because every opportunity has pressure because you care about it. Mm. the sky's the limit it literally is it Mm is and i've seen so many of these my brother you know his his dream was he he became a national champion and we're the first brothers to ever do that and then we're the first brothers to ever win a world championship medal in Mm -hmm. in the same event and but his dream wasn't uh swimming it was to get his own show on the discovery channel and so we use the same exact techniques that i've mentioned throughout and he got his own show on the Discovery Channel. And that's the effort switch. If you go back to yeah. that, it's breaking all the rules. We didn't go to Los Angeles and he, I get a job in, you know, in the production side and he goes out and goes to castings and all following the rules. It was just go build it, do it, right? Yeah. yeah. And we realized that. And so, you know, if people change their relationship to failure and they change their relation and you just look at failure as collecting information to get better and go through the feedback loop, Everything shifts, you know, mm. in your relationship to, to pressure. I mean, you're just going to want more pressure and more pressure because you're going to realize like, this is never going to feel comfortable, but this is where all my opportunities are happening. So mm-hmm. I want more of this. So I'm just going to reframe it. 
That's when you feel most alive. That's like it's that's when you feel like you're living. Yes. It's like when you're looking over the edge, you're sitting on this edge and I I don't know. I maybe I've had a lot of pressure in my life, but it's that's when you always feel most alive. And you look back now and you go, Yeah, that was that was really cool. I want yeah. more of that. In, you know? in hindsight, that's that that's the important point to yeah. It, it always looks great in the rear view mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Oh, man. You know, you, you think back. So, sometimes I wish I knew what I know now, if I could have gone back for my own career. Um, some of the tools that I've learned would be quite handy. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, I had Laura. She was like my my uh, mental mental performance coach basically throughout the second half of my career. But all right, mate, last, last one on the final four. How would you use the remaining days if you only had six months to live? I would say I'm doing it now. Yeah. I, w- I would have to say that every moment is rich, scary, <laughs> <laughs> and worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I am doing it. I'm doing it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's funny. I, I said that to Laura, my wife, Laura, you know, the other day we, we kind of do this and I'm like, I don't think I'd change anything. Mm. You know, I'm like, uh, I'm not somebody that has to have a massive goal all the time anymore. Mm. I do need to keep moving and, and even hosting this podcast and doing my work with, with fast food, the company I'm with and my training, all bits and pieces that are ticking along. Mm. But yeah, it's kind of a nice place to be where you go, yeah, no, this, this is what I should be doing. It, yeah. it, it, it's not, and that's today. Yeah. Look, tomorrow we're a different person. After my conversation with you, I'm a different person again. And it's like, it's like the Hintzer model. You know, I love Hintzer's core thing. You know, do you know who you are? Do you know what, do you know what you want? Do you know who you are? And, uh, Mm-hmm. and uh, are you in control of your own life? And yeah. you can ask yourself those questions, but then the next morning you wake up and you're a different person from all the inputs that you've had from around the world. And yeah. I, um, but yes, I love that, mate. I love that. And I think that's a, I think it's a really great way to end, end the, end the episode. I, um, as always thoroughly mm-hmm. enjoy our conversations. I think this was, this was a very special episode. I think there was a lot of great takeaways in this for, everybody listening. Um, I know they were for me. I have notes written down and things that I'm, you know, so mate, just truly appreciate you and you know, what you're doing for so many people, uh, your willingness to come on my show and and just share your amazing amount of knowledge. Um, as much as it can be quite simple, it's extraordinary words that we all need to hear. So I really appreciate you, mate. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I, you know, I know that you over time you build a podcast audience and so I've, I've had it described that you're you're inviting me into your living room your trusted living room so a sacred space so to me this has been a sacred exchange and you've always been a very special person to me because you know just you it's like two little kids in the playground like oh there there he is <laughs> Yeah, let's play. <laughs> hey, let's do that. Let's do that. I know, mate. Well, I'm looking forward to actually, um, you know, as we grow this show and, you know, doing some of these episodes in person. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where do you live? Well, you're in California, right? Or no? Tucson, Arizona. Tucson. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I know you're on, on the other side of the coast there. But, yeah. um, well, mate, yes, once again, I appreciate you. For everybody listening to the show, um, you can find all the timestamps time and everything else at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. All right, stay on the line, Seth. 